Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show that is now rated X. That's right, X for occasional extra stupidity. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, they sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast coming to you from my uh, home recording studio built here outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Hurricane Florence is gone, but more on that in just a minute. Uh, In tonight's show, uh, pipe parts will be some pipe patents. I found some Alfred Dunhill Company patents that I thought would be fun to talk about. My guest tonight is another North Carolina resident. He's pipe maker John Inge, and uh, we'll talk to him. And I did, uh, even, or as early as today, I got an email from him saying that he's fine and that his shop is good, and so we're happy about that. Uh, music, mailbag, rant, all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, and before we get before we get too far into it, I want to wish all my uh, Jewish brothers out there a very happy New Year as we begin uh, another another Jewish New Year. The holidays kind of blew by because uh, you know we had Hurricane Florence here. Uh, we were very lucky in our area of uh, Charlotte because I live on the north side of Charlotte, and the all we got really was you know a, a very breezy day and. Uh, and a day where the rain didn't stop. But, uh, you know, my uh, hearts and wishes go out to those that are uh, still dealing with the flooding. Uh, and But part of the fun for me was uh, we had house guests. Uh, Sykes Wilford of SmokingPipes.com, he and his wife and his son, John, have been uh, spending the week with us, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so imagine me. I get to play with a uh, uh, their son turned two over the weekend while they were here. So I get to play with a two-year-old. And then when he got tired, Sykes and I got to sit down and play with pipes and talk pipes and talk tobaccos. And he even brought as a, a hurricane survival, <laughs> part of his hurricane survival kit, he brought a, a 30-year-old tin of three nuns. So we've been smoking that and enjoying that. Uh and uh, also, while he was here, we recorded a couple hours of stories, so we'll have those in future episodes coming up. Uh, a lot of fun just to sit down and hang out and you know, get a couple of pipe guys together, and we're stranded with a great tobacco. Well, we had some great conversations. All right, hope everybody is doing well, and uh, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back. Uh, so the the company the, the company the the company Alfred Dunhill. Uh, limited Alfred Dunhill North America whatever you want to call it Alfred Dunhill was a prolific inventor and wrote many many patents and received you know was awarded many many patents uh, including one that goes back to 1919 uh, improvements in or relating to labels for tin or and other boxes and the like and it says uh, paper sheets uh, facilitating severance of Labels for tobacco, cocoa, and like tins having flanged lids are provided with perforated lines whereby they may be ruptured to allow removal of the lid by rotating or pressing the lid. The perforations being of rectangular or diamond form or of rhombus form. So he had a patent on a lid or on a, on a paper that went onto, onto uh, the tobacco tins. Um, here's one that's an improvement in tobacco pipes patent, and this goes back to 1923, and it says, A domed-shaped cover having perforations in its upper surface is adapted to be sprung 
over the top of the bowl so that its lower edge engages a groove or on the exterior or interior of the bowl. The cover may be made of the same material as the pipe and the edge may be formed with segmental recesses to increase the elasticity. Alternatively, the resilient engagement may be affected by means of spring clips on the interior of the cover. So there's a patent for what I believe to sound like a, uh, a bowl cover yeah, a, and a way to pop a cap on your pipe. And that was going back to 1923. A uh, fun one for us. Uh, in 1938, the Alfred Dunhill Company received a patent for automatic uncoupling of toy railway vehicles. And this patent shows a way that the Alfred Dunhill Company got a patent to, you know, for model railroaders to automatically uncouple their train cars. So uh, you got Alfred Dunhill now into uh, motoring, you know, driver's accessories. They begin branching out into tobacco products. The cigarettes would be around by then. The tobaccos would be around. The pipes would be around. And uh, he's working on toy trains <laughs> at the same time. So kind of made me chuckle when I found that. Uh, the, uh, the other one, uh, a means for charging smoking pipes. And this was in 1921. And this is a really long patent. Uh, but it says for, uh, for this purpose, uh, it has already been proposed to provide a cartridge formed from a cylinder wad of tobacco furnished with a wrapping or envelope of paper or other material which can be readily torn and with a suitable length of tape or the like secured to the said wrapping or uh, envelope and so disposed with respect there to the tape. So essentially what this was was a paper-wrapped preformed plug of tobacco that was made in the shape of a bowl of tobacco. So you'd literally buy... 10, 12 bowlfuls or whatever. They'd come in a little package. And as you popped them in there, you took the paper off. Or there was another version of that down the road where the paper was made of the same paper that cigarettes are. So you'd burn the paper. It was a preformed plug of tobacco. I've seen this happen in a couple other situations as well where other companies toyed around with that idea. Uh he had a he had a patent from 1918 on the checking and recording the time of workmen and others so he was um, not only was he worried about quality products he was worried about you know, only paying for the time that he wanted to so he uh, uh, and it says here uh, that be it known that I Alfred Dunhill a subject of the King of Great Britain and Ireland residing at 30 Duke Street St James Southwest in the County of London England have invented certain new and useful improvements in checking and recording the time of workmen and others of which the following is a specification so he improved or modified a time clock uh, Alfred was always thinking uh, you know always thinking ahead uh, there's a ton of patents on lighters and I'll leave it, I'll leave his, uh, bizarre patents or strange patents with this in 1944. So right at the end of world war II, and then, uh, and then approved in 1946, the Alfred Dunhill company got a patent for improvements in or relating to earrings. And here's how it reads, uh, March 30th, 1944. An absorbent material impregnated with perfume is inserted in a tubular holder placed in a recess in the dropper of an earring. So get this. Are you ready? He was starting to work on jewelry at that point. And what did he do? He figured, all right, women want, you know, women want their perfume on, but they don't want it to wear off or rub off. So he figured out and patented a way to create a earring that held <laughs> perfume in it uh, that is the same alfred dunhill company that created many wonderful tobaccos pipes and more so <laughs> there you go all right alfred dunhill and some bizarre pipe patents uh 
in a minute, we will have uh, pipe maker John Inge. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is... Uh, I, I this is one of the times where I really do believe that the word artist is more important to use than the word pipe maker or pipe carver because uh, uh, John, your pipes are pieces of art. So uh, please welcome pipe maker John Inge to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Oh, thank you. All right, so let, let's get let's get to know you. First of all, your last name is I N G E, and it's pronounced Inge. Inge, yes. Okay, good. So kind of like a hinge without the H on it. Exactly. Yay! I got something right from the start. Uh, <laughs> where'd you? Besides the fact that you live about uh, uh, about a hundred miles from me in the in the middle of the countryside there, but. Uh, where'd you grow up, and when did uh, when did art or pipes come into your life? Uh, well, I grew up in St. Louis. Um, you guys have probably heard of Ferguson. Mm -hmm. I was about 10 miles from there <laughs> growing up. Um, then moved to Columbia. Um, while I was in St. Louis, uh, you know, after I graduated high school and everything, I started getting into pipes a little bit. First got into cigars because they're easy, and then got into pipes and kind of started. Had a friend who wanted, you know, he we'd go buy a tinder box all the time and get different tobaccos and try all the different stuff. And he one day had this crazy idea to make a pipe because they had the pipe kits there. <laughs> and made the first one turned out all right. Uh, made the second one turned out really good. That's the eagle claw that I did. I was like, huh, maybe I ought to look into this a little bit more. That's kind of what got me started on it all. Now, what year would this have been? This would have been in the early 90s, probably 92, 93. Okay, so that was back when the when the tinderboxes of the world were kind of the key place to go for pipes and tobaccos. Yeah, that was pretty much the only place I'd go of at the time, because that was, you know, the tinderbox at the mall. Yeah, yeah. And the second pipe you made was that eagle claw that's on your website. Yes, it is. All right, so I got I got to ask: Did you have an art background, or an interest in art, or any experience in art, or are you just a naturally gifted freak of nature? Uh, I would have to go with freak of nature. <laughs> wow! Because for all through school, I never took an art class because uh, I was a band geek. It's always in band. Well, way, growing up, you got band or you got art, and so I always ended up in the in the different band classes. And and we absolutely love band geeks, and especially their parents on this show. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, being one being one of the parents myself, uh, so literally your second pipe out out of the door, you carved a intricate eagle claw that's got gaps in the fingers holding the bowl, and and just some some beautiful detail yes it took uh, me a long time to do it but yeah what kind of tools did you have that you were working on that pipe with um at the time my dad had a old dental drill you know <laughs> nowadays it would be more like a, a fancy dremel yeah you know one of the ones with the, the pencil 
pencil bit on it. So it was kind of like that. So I had that on there, and so that really made things a whole lot easier. But I still had to do a lot of the hand carving, you know, just just got in there with an X-Acto knife and and them. Wow, uh, any uh, any scrapes with the exact with the exacto knife? Because I could imagine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Do you still have all your fingers? Uh, yes. Okay, good. Mostly intact. All right, good. Uh, so did you you went off? Did you go off to college, or did you uh, did you just yes. decide that you were going to become a starving artist from the start? Uh, no, I went to college. You know, because after I made the second one, I picked up a third kit and just kind of messed around with it because I didn't have much for tools. So I literally just had, you know, sandpaper, a knife, just your basic stuff, and just kind of played around with it. You know, school kind of takes time. Because I went to school at Mizzou. Um, I ended up switching majors three times. <laughs> that was a bad idea. But uh, from engineering to music to philosophy. Well, two of those three are kind of alike. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, somewhat. Uh, <laughs> all right, so how do we get to you living here in North Carolina? Um, well, my mother is from Southern Pines. Beautiful spot. And I was in, I was still in Columbia. Um, things weren't going real well. Had nothing really exciting going on, and. My brother was going through a divorce, and he offered to come out and pick me up and bring me out here. And I was like, well, okay. So I ended up moving out here about six years ago. And, and all along, had you been working with pipes and carving pipes, or is this kind of something that you do when you know, sporadically? Um, well, it was originally not going to be uh, sporadically. Um, in the early 90s, early 2000s, I really started getting into it. I was doing pipe repairs for a number of the, number of different tobacco stores throughout the Midwest. So I, was, I was working at the Tinderbox. That, you know, of course, helped. And so I was doing the repairs, was making pipes. Things were going along pretty well. Um, and then, you know, divorce happens. <laughs> and so I no longer had a shop. So... I've been shut down for, you know, from about 2006 through up to about 2011, where I just had, you know, living in an apartment and had no tools and no shop and everything like that. And then once I moved out here, I ended up with a shop and started getting things put back together and starting to get back, you know, making more pipes. Wow, so you, so it, it it has been a bit of a road for you to travel. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, let's talk about your your pipes are highly carved, artistic shapes, stylized. Uh, you've got some stem work that is just uh, oddly beautiful and bizarre all at the same time. Uh, do you just do you? Do you pick up a block and just say, okay, this is what I see and what I think? Uh, most of the time. I'll pick up the block, look at it, see where the grain is going, you know, what you can tell from the outside, and just kind of come up with, you know, have a basic idea of what it's going to look like, and then, you know, kind of start into it and see where it, where the where the wood takes me. Because, you know, different curves and things, I'll move it, I'll change the curve to go along with the grain. So that can really influence how the pipe is going to look in the end. And then other ones, I'll just take the block, you know, because I, I drill before I, before I shape. So I'll drill it and then just have no idea and just kind of jump into it. Some of them turn out like that. Some of them I do like that. That's got, that's got to be kind of scary and fun all at the same time for you. Exactly. It is. It's, you know, I really enjoy it. Yeah, and you also you you also do some classic shapes and some classic you know some variations on the classics. I do, I do. Sometimes you know, I'll just be wanting to carve something and just kind of have like a, a writer's block or an artist block, as it were, and have nothing. And I'm like, well, I can just make this. You know, they're not 
not as exciting, but. But at the same time, you got to make something to sell and uh, and and make some uh, money too. I tried exactly. I'm trying to make something you know a little more accessible to you know most people. Yeah, and do you, I, and does it kind of feel like when you're making a classic shape? Does it kind of feel like you're just kind of like clearing your clearing your your data out and just you know doing doing something so that you can get fresh ideas on the on the next uh art carved one yeah it, re- it really does because i'm just you know i'm still working with the wood still you know doing the stuff but i don't have to really think about the design because it's just a you know it's just a billiard or just a, a poker or you know yeah wow uh and have you ever have you ever smoked another pipe besides yours? Yes, yes, uh, especially when I first started. Uh, you know, because working at the tinderbox, uh, one of my first pipes I got was a Peterson. Uh, a friend of mine had gone to he went to over to Ireland and brought one back for me. Oh wow! Black Peterson Killarney. So, so you got to, so you got a little bit of the Irish, and then you got to, uh, and then you get to also, you know, enjoy what a classic pipe is like. Yeah, yeah. I had those, and then working at the the pipe shop, and you know, of course, Tinderbox at that time, Escorty was really big. Yeah, and so I had, you know, I picked up a few Escortys. You know, the employee discount helped a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it, was it was it hard for you some days to you know some weeks to come home with an actual paycheck? Yes, especially when we got the new shipment in, you know, with the Escortes and Caminettos and uh, some of the Don Carlos, you know, and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm also assuming with you working at a tinderbox, you were able to sample a whole bunch of tobaccos back then, and probably try a whole bunch of. The, I mean, tinderbox had a substantial line of house blended tobaccos as well. Yes, yes, I got to I got to taste all of that stuff. One of the definite perks for that job. Did you were were you immediately drawn to one style of tobacco over the other? Um. Well, at the time, uh, right off the bat, um, the aromatics, just because of the response that you get from anybody around you when you smoke an aromatic. Um, but I do like the Virginias and the, the Latakias. Just, you know, just the flavor and the, the taste is just awesome. So, you, so you're also able to dabble around and smoke different styles still? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, that's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, I want to. I, I don't know how to explain some of the stuff that I want to talk about, but we're going to give it a shot. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with, uh, uh, I'm, I'm just going to call you a pipe artist, John Ainge. John, I'm, I'm looking at some of your pipes, and I saw them uh, and spent some time you know, eyeballing them at the last Columbus Pipe Show. Uh, give me an idea of, I mean, time-wise, when you're, when you're looking at something like this where you're carving notches and waves and I don't know how to describe it, but you're sanding all the interior pieces, 
what kind of a what kind of time are we looking at investment wise into a piece like those? It's really hard to tell because I can't do it all at one time. So I have to space that out over, you know, it, it may be months, but I still have to work a day job. So, you know, it's not like I'm at, at it eight hours a day. And for a lot of them, I can't work on it a real long time before my hand starts to cramp up. Yeah. Because if I start to lose control, especially with, you know, when I'm doing the carving with the, with the knife, doing a lot of the knife work, if you slip, well, <laughs> <laughs> there goes that, you know, you have to find a way to try and fix it. Yeah, there's one in particular on your website, and the website is I-N-G-E-P-I-P-E-S dot com, Angepipes. Uh, there's one that I'm looking at where the stem, it, it, this one kind of looks like it's got like horns or worms coming off of it, and the stem does a couple <laughs> of curves to it. Um, where, What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> um. That was part of, if it's the one, I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, That was a, uh, I was working with the different designs um, to get more of like a tentacle type feel to it. Yep. I'd been reading some Lovecraft and uh, wanted to see what I could do as far as a a tentacle kind of pipe where the tentacles go around. Well, so that was, that was a pipe that I made for myself that I was going to keep because it was more of a, a design study to see how far I could go and what I could do, you know, and still be able to get the finish that I wanted in the place, you know, see how much I could cut out and if I could get to the places to, to clean it up and make it look like something. And apparently somebody liked it more than, more than you did and wanted to buy it. Yeah. They, they bought it from me in uh, my first, first time I went to Chicago. Wow! Because I was smoking it, I was smoking it at the time. I'm like, well, that's a good start. <laughs> All right. Uh, for those that are listening, where do your uh, where do your uh, carved artist pipes start out at price wise? Uh, as far as the, the the more intricate carved ones are starting, you know, for the you know the different freehands, it'll start around three hundred and kind of go up from there, depending on, of course, how much how crazy I go with it. Yeah, and then and then you've got some that are less crazy that are just very reminiscent of the old, uh, I guess, like the Preben Home and the Celius pipes where there's a simple bridge of plateau coming over the top. And, uh-huh. uh, and you've, got to, you've got to get in there and cut, not only cut away, but you also sand and polish the reverse side of that little arch and, and all the, I mean, there's, it it's really hard to describe. I'm really having a hard time doing it. I'm not doing it any service, but there's not a unfinished piece of surface on that pipe, is there? No, no. I end up, you know, except for the plateau. That's, you know, I can, usually I can leave that alone. <laughs> but everything else, you know, I'll sand and polish, especially on, on the different smooths, and that's the part that takes the longest. Yeah, I, I can just imagine. Then you do some intricate scaling-looking work on your claws and different kinds of dragon-themed stuff. Is uh, and you've had no yeah. no art training, really. <laughs> nope. Okay. Well, I don't like you. Um, <laughs> uh, what are you doing for a full-time job? Uh, I'm a welder. There you go. So you get to create stuff again. Well, I, right now I'm a production welder, but I've got my shop, and so I can do different metal work, you know, on my free time. Uh, are you doing any art welding in your free time? Uh, no. No. Because uh, don't, don't have much in the way of free time. <laughs> so between the... I also do, I also restore and work on old cars. All right, now we're talking. Um, when... When we're talking about old cars, what are we talking about? Um, well, what I'm working on right now is a 1962 Plymouth Valiant. And we're and we're restoring it back to original, or are you doing uh, or are you doing modifications too? Uh, no, on this one, I'm just going to go back to original, and I'm not, I'm not going to do a full blown hey, let's make it a big model kind of restoration. I'm going to make it into more of a a daily driver. 
can actually drive the car around. Yeah, so so you've got you got a whole bunch of processes going on in there. Oh yeah. Uh, is the is the uh, is the Plymouth something that you've uh, is it more of a labor of love, or do you intend to maybe someday you know sell a a, a restored car? So um, I plan on driving it. Ah, uh, well, it's got it. <laughs> All right, I'm yeah, I'm that's... I'm really jealous now. Um, <laughs> and, and then just to, just to make me even more mad, what'd you play in the band? Uh, bass. Well. In high school and college, I played tuba, and I now I play more you know, bass guitar and stand-up bass. And so you so you like all the low notes. Oh yeah, yeah, and and of course playing a, uh, uh, I'm guessing when you marched, you actually marched with a sousaphone, which is really comfortable in the summertime. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're real nice, <laughs> <laughs> nice and hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you, uh, do you plan on going out and doing more pipe shows now as, uh, you know, as, as it permits with your schedule? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, where do you think? More, more next year than even than I did this year. Cause I'll be at the, I'll be going to the show here in Richmond. Yeah. going to make that one. Which I will, uh, which I'll sadly miss, but, uh. Yeah, that's that's the life of uh of married people. Um can't say that out loud. Is there <laughs> so we we talked about the tentacles and that just being a design concept. Are there other kinds of concepts that you're working on that you haven't that that you want to try? Um well I just recently got a one of the kits to do the military bits. Where you inset a brass ring, and then because yep. you have a tapered hole and a tapered stem, so I've been working on different stuff that I can do with that here lately. So yeah. see what I can do there, and then with most of and most of my pipes, I also design them around your hand so that they're comfortable to hold, so that you just have a, a grip for it. So you know, especially with the bigger pipes, so you can just kind of hold it. So, like, even with the tentacle pipes, it'll have spots for your fingers to go. Yeah, and do you think of us left-handed people when you're doing that, too? Um, yeah, most all of them fit your left hand really well. Because <laughs> if I don't concentrate on it, I'm left-handed. So, when I go to hold the pipe, I'll hold it in my left hand while I'm making it. There you go. Uh, so, you actually do, You, I mean, I guess you have to, you consciously are thinking about, yeah, or... You're also consciously aware of the fact that these pipes have to be held and they have to be comfortable in the hand because these are not clenchers that you're making. No, exactly. You know, you're gonna you're gonna hold it, and so I always you know I, I keep that a you know pretty pretty near the top as far as you know things I'm looking at when I'm making it. And yet, it's also still a a functional smoking device too. Oh yeah. Do you uh, do you find a lot of your uh, a lot of your pipe buyers will just kind of put the pipe on the shelf and not really smoke it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people will smoke it once or twice and have it mainly as you know on the shelf. And pull it out when their friends come over and go, "Look at this pipe! I can smoke this uh-huh. one." Yeah. Uh, what is the uh, what's the largest piece you've done? The largest one, um, the really big tentacle pipe, probably. I have a dark-colored tentacle pipe on there. It's got a green stem. It's on the, up on the website. One of the biggest ones I've done. And that's and just so that we, so that we know how much. Do you remember how much it weighed? I do not remember. But it was. Uh, it's definitely not a clincher, and it looks like it. Oh no. It looks like you might need more than a regular pipe cleaner to to reach through it. Yeah. Uh, and you're hand cutting all your own stems and stuff. Uh, yeah, most of the time. Uh, most all the stems I'll cut. You know, for you know, especially anything where I'm doing putting a lot of work into it, it'll have a hand cut stem. 
um, for some of those, you know, to keep the price down on some of the, the smaller, lower-end ones, I'll use pre-made stems. And where do your uh, where do your uh, lower-end ones start out? Uh, around 100. Oh, so you're... You know, for just your standard, you know, poker, billiard, your standard little bent. Uh, and do you put them all up on your website, or uh, do pipes sneak out to people without them actually hitting the website first? Uh, a lot of times they'll, they they end up sneaking out to people. I end up getting them up on, on Facebook before it makes it to the, the website. Yeah. The, the, it's a lot easier just to go click, click, and, and, and then it's there. Because uh, I have no webmaster. It's just me making the website, so... Do you take commissions on pipes or crazy ideas? Yes. And and have you had any really bizarre crazy ideas that were like oddly strange and that you just had to make a that you just laughed at? Uh, not that I laughed at. I made it. Wow. And it actually came out. And it was. It turned out a lot better than I was. <laughs> I thought it was going to. What was it? It was a um, hand holding a shrunken head, <laughs> the shrunken head pipe. <laughs> Did the shrunken head still have hair on it? Um, no, I carved the hair on it. You know, I carved the hair through it, and then for the lips, I actually did thread through. You know, they have their lips closed. Yeah. I, you know, I got when I was carving it, I left enough there, and I put little holes, and so I actually threaded through. So it actually had the thread coming through the lips. Wow. Yeah, all right. Well, I had to carve it. For the eyes, I had to carve it. But I had enough, I designed it so I had enough space so I could kind of thread it through so it looks like the, the mouth is actually sewn shut. And then you've actually, you've also used some uh, some jewels and little decorations on some of the pipes that I've seen too. Yes. Um the the eagle claw that I did where I had the where I carved in the tower I actually have a little sapphire set in the back. So, so it really I is mean, a jewel a, of a pipe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, couldn't resist. But uh, John, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Uh, probably not. Okay, good. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe that I smoke? Yeah. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, probably my, my one of my Eagle Claws. And what is your favorite tobacco? That's a tough question. Because <laughs> <laughs> that changes depending on what I find. Well, it could be today um, or tomorrow's favorite. Yeah, because lately I've been, well, there's, um, GLP's has a sextant. Yep. It's kind of a, a rum that I've been kind of smoking that one here lately. And what is your favorite drink? Uh, well, that would be a dark beer, stouts and porters. And not, not real refreshing on a summer day around the Carolinas, are they? I think they are. <laughs> I'll have them any time. Man after my own heart. I smoke the I smoke the heaviest tobaccos I can during the summertime. I don't care. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Probably music. And do you have a yeah, do you have a, a genre that you like? Uh, well, if I'm really relaxing, I'll be the one playing the music. <laughs> so I can just kind of relax, pick up the bass, and just kind of play. Yeah, all right. I, I, now I rem, I'm reminding myself that I really don't like you. <laughs> uh, final question is, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we have not talked about? Not that I can think of. Well, take your time. Pick and pick something. Because one of the ones was uh, the very first pipe show I went to. I went with my dad. And I had just finished that eagle claw and it was when you could sell smoke in the in the pipe show and i had that lit and just the the attention in the stairs and everybody wanting to know what that was and where it came from 
Yeah. Another one of the reasons I kind of got into it. And it's been all downhill since then. That's right. <laughs> all I can tell you is I highly encourage you go to his website, ingepipes.com. Uh, John, are you on Facebook under a secret name or? Uh, not a secret name. It's under Inch Pipes. There you go. So check those out truly beautiful work and uh, I'd hate to have to photograph your pipes because that's almost as tough as trying to describe them uh, <laughs> just trying to describe them without looking at them yeah that's uh, that's a challenge I'm still working with because I can't just you know if you just take a picture of one side that doesn't really mean the other side I mean, the other side's completely different uh yeah well glad <laughs> All I can say is they're beautiful. Keep uh, keep doing what you're doing, and I also want to see pictures of the car when it's done too. Okay, John. It's gonna be a little while of the car, but well, <laughs> take, at least running and driving now. So yeah, and take your time. Winter's coming, so you'll have plenty of outside garage time. Oh yeah, John. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on the show. And we'll be back in just a minute. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. I really do recommend that you go and take a look at what John's doing. And uh, don't just buy them because they're pieces of art. Buy them also because they are uh, fine smoking pipes as well that just happen to be really pretty. Uh, all right, for music. So Robert Bailey went uh, record shopping and sent me a couple of uh, pictures of of uh, pipe smoking albums. And this one is from a guy named George Melvin, who I've never really heard of. But it turns out George Melvin is from the uh, Charlottesville, Virginia area, passed away in 2010 at uh, the age of 70 something. I'm trying to remember. Uh, but uh, pianist and pipe smoker, and I found the uh, the George Melvin Quintet live from G.T. Brooks, and right on the picture of the uh, of the album is George sitting there with a freehand style pipe, and this song is called "Hang In There." Thank you. 
That was the uh, George Melvin Trio. I couldn't find anything for him on Spotify. I did find that recording, uh, or that that being played on YouTube. It's uh, George, G-E-O-R-G-E, Melvin, M-E-L-V-I-N. Yes! You have new mail. In the mailbag. All right. Remember, if you want to reach out to me, Brian at PipesMagazine.com, or you can post a comment on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com or on Facebook. Uh, Going back to last week, uh, Uncle Yoda says, uh, great episode. Brad's a friend of mine. Great guy. Genuine. What you see is what you get. Uh, you ain't kidding. I love Brad, and we only talked a little bit in uh, uh, in Columbus, but talking to him on the phone and doing the interview, yeah, yeah, that's that's the kind of guy that you can hang out around. Uh, down home smoker said Brad just had a real down to earth personality on the show that made him inviting. I will be looking into his pipes to see what he has out there. Brian, I liked when you asked for the perceived difference between smoking cigarettes and pipes. As a former cigarette smoker, cigarettes for me were purely an addiction. I didn't like the way they tasted, but I liked the smoke in my lungs, as sick as that sounds. With pipes, it all comes down to enjoying the flavor and relaxation, and I don't inhale. I'm not addicted to pipes, unlike cigarettes. Uh, Congratulations on six years. I'm so glad you're going strong. Just like the Orleans song, still the one, this podcast is still the one for me. Enough blathering pleasant smokes. You are too kind, and thank you very much. Uh, And I will agree with you. Um, You know, cigarettes for me just got to be a point where I was uh, fighting to service a need and was not enjoying servicing that need. So I managed to kick them. Uh, Crash the Gray says, Congratulations on closing out six years of the show. I can't imagine where I would be in my pipe journey uh, had you only done that first year. (laughs) I hope this show stays strong and you keep coming up with more to say. I know it can't be easy sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it can't be easy. Sometimes you even talk about uh, Alfred Dunhill patenting earrings. Uh, but sometimes for me, having something to say is uh, hard to not say it. And then uh, Casey Ghost says, Haddo's Delight is special, but it does have a kick to it due to the nicotine. I enjoy it and fortunately started with a large pipe due to the cut of the tobacco. Uh, Brad was a nice interview. It's pretty clear that he is making fairly functional pipes that lack a little something in styling. He's probably selling them for what they are worth. And as you might expect, I absolutely loathe metal as a form of music. To me, it is guys plugged into a wall socket making as much racket as possible. Uh, I'll stop there and say... um, yeah, you know, different different types of music for different types of people, and uh, thankfully there's all kinds of types of music out there. Uh, and I will say that Brad, you know, uh, that Brad's got a style, and he's developing it, and I like some of what I see, and some of it I don't. And that's kind of like music, too. Uh, then Casey Ghost goes on to say, The first show was on 9-20-2012, so it was at least a week premature to say this episode was the completion of six years. The 9-17-2012 show was just a radio test that only tested a few minutes. You either forgot that the first year has 53 shows since the first episode started the counter, or you missed the fact that every year is actually 52 weeks in a day. And a leap year adds another day to it. Nonetheless, what you've done is quite an achievement. And Dan, you're right. I apologize. My math was off. Uh, yeah, that 52 weeks and a day plus a leap year. And, uh, yeah, anyway, um, I count a year as 52 weeks. That's all you get. Uh, the weekends only matter to me. Uh, remember comments or questions, email me. We could also use some iTunes reviews. So please go to iTunes and give the pipes magazine radio show a five star review. Uh, finally, I want to cut, I want to touch on a couple of things that I've had questions about. Uh, regarding the travel services that I'm doing. Uh, For one, it costs you nothing to get a quote, nothing. Happy to look into whatever kind of a vacation you're planning, whether it be a cruise or going down to an all-inclusive in the Caribbean or uh, whether it's going to any of the fine theme parks in Florida or California, wherever you're going, give me a shot at it first. 
And if you end up booking with me, it costs you nothing extra either because uh, we just get commission from the uh, from the places that work with us. And I am trying my hardest to make sure that if there's a better deal out there for you that you can get directly, I'll put you onto that deal as well. A simple example is uh, I told my sister that uh, she wanted a hotel in Las Vegas for a couple of nights coming up. And I told her, I said, flat out, you can save $15 on the whole deal, on the whole stay over the weekend. If you book it direct and go with your airline frequent flyer miles, you'll save a bunch of money that way. But literally, I don't want to, I want to make sure that you're getting the best value for your vacation, whatever it be. Uh, but give me a chance first and I'm happy to quote it. And the email for that is... Uh, Either Brian at PipesMagazine.com or Brian.Levine at MEI-Travel.com. Uh, right now, I've got uh, some pipe smokers that are uh, heading out on the road to, uh, well, one's going on a cruise, and the other one is uh, going up to Niagara Falls. Uh, and who better? If you want to you know where to, how to travel with pipes and some of the better places to travel with pipes, well, I can tell you everywhere I've been with pipes. Uh, and finally, if you are going to the Kansas City Pipe Show this weekend, I will have a table. Come by the table and just simply tell me I love the Pipes Magazine radio show and I got a free gift for you. Uh, also, I will be doing the same at the upcoming West Coast Pipe Show in November. And in fact, let me confirm the dates for you while I'm talking about it. But again, come by the table just tell me you love the Pipes Magazine radio show, and there you go. Uh, other pipe-related things, the following weekend, uh, about eight days, nine days from now, in uh, Richmond, Virginia, the core show is having their uh, pipe smokers gathering. They're kind of reincarnating their, uh, their old show, so that's Saturday, September 29th. And then the day before that, don't know if it's sold out yet, couldn't tell you, but uh, the Sutliff Tobacco Company is having a tour, and you need to go to the core, uh, the core show's website or Facebook group to sign up and get information for that. Uh, then on Saturday, October sixth, the Texas Pipe Show in Fort Worth, Texas. I don't think I'll be able to make that because of timing and schedule, but. Uh, all day on Saturday at Pop's Safari Room in Fort Worth, Texas. Then the day before that is a blending seminar with John David Cole. So uh, and that's on a different location. Information can be found at texaspipeshow.com or you can go to pipesmagazine.com, click on pipe shows, and you'll find all that information sitting right there. And again, follow us on Facebook, follow me or send me a friend request on Facebook. I'd love to, uh, love to have you all on Facebook. So that way you can follow me and you can see what the, uh, what the storm looked like passing here last weekend. All right. Rant time coming up in just a minute. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Life is precious. Every moment is a gift, and in a tragedy or a natural occurrence like Hurricane Florence, loss of life is sad. It's hard to take, but it's also part of uh, you know part of life is that not every moment is guaranteed. Uh, however, there's a few people that I would like to make more uh, make additional casualties of Hurricane Florence, and those are the people that owned. 
dogs and cats and animals that uh, had to be rescued out of their kennels. There's several videos going around the news and uh, around Facebook and YouTube of animal, uh, one of them in particular, a puppy mill somewhere in the uh, South Carolina, North Carolina area that had beagles that were locked in locked in their little kennels and the water was up to their chests and rescuers went in and saved those dogs save those animals uh, i'd like to take those people put them in a cage lock them in a cage put them in an empty pool and start filling up the water slowly on them i think they deserve it you leave animals behind like that you ought to open up the cages and let them go and at least give them a chance that's all i gotta say just give them a chance if you can't take them with you let them loose so that they can get to higher ground. Let them, don't let them leave them locked in cages, barking and yelping for help and running in circles looking for a way out. Let them go because otherwise I'd rather take you and maybe, uh, you know, maybe chain you to a telephone pole and uh, put it in a pool and start filling up the water and see how you like it. Humans need to take care. If you've got animals, you need to take care of them. They're your responsibility. If you don't take care of them, well, then you know what? We should take care of you. Uh, let those animals free. Every time, uh, even my old, uh, my great uncle who had cows and sheep and stuff, he said if there was a fire in the area, you know what you do? You open up the gates and let the animals go and give them a chance. But these people left them locked up and those animals had to be rescued. All right, I want to uh, thank all the folks that have sent messages, emails, tweets, whatever on Facebook and stuff about uh, concerned about us during the storm. Again, wish all my uh, Jewish brethren a happy new year. I uh, hope this is a safe, healthy and prosperous one for all. I want to thank John for joining us and thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather Show was co-written and produced by John Wilford, Toddler, and Pipe Prodigy.